Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Pretty good. So, it's been a while since we've talked, and I have to tell you about TikTok. Please tell me about TikTok. So, I started a TikTok account because my wife is really into it and has been watching a lot of these videos. Very good. And I thought, we're on every other social media service. Why not make a rank and file TikTok? Right. So, are you? have you ever used the app? Um, I used Vine a lot when Vine was a thing. Uh, I, so, I haven't used TikTok yet, but my understanding of TikTok is that it's basically sort of refurbished Vine. Yeah, it's Vine, but... The step further that makes it different is you can take someone else's audio and you can, a la Dub Smash, remix it and, like, put it on your video. Oh, man. I shouldn't have that kind of power. Yeah, so the memes, so the meme potential is amazing because (laughs) someone makes a recording of their cat on the roof and they say, why are you on the roof? And I can take a video of Spider-Man and use the same beleaguered cat owner yelling, why are you on the roof? <laughs> Honestly, which I, th- th- those new Spider- Spider-Man uh, movies with uh, the kid, what's his name, Tom Holland? Yeah. Extremely good. Yes. So uh, I was really excited and I made a rank and file account and we haven't really gotten a lot of attention because I'm old and I'm not good at it. Oh, same. But... One of the first things I did was decided, you know, let's upload some deathmatch wrestling. So I Obviously. found I found the video of the Big Japan Pro Wrestling syringe needle deathmatch and I uploaded it to TikTok uh-huh. and I was immediately um reprimanded by the site admin. <laughs> so were they just like you can't upload just literal snuff footage to TikTok? They Yes, they deleted it, and they sent me a long email about how they're trying to build a safe community, and they're trying to have community standards, and you can't just put, you know, snuff footage on TikTok. And then the next day, a, like, 12-year-old child started following our account, so I felt really bad. Oh, my God. See, this is—I feel like my my problem is— I, I think our exact aesthetic is like deathmatch wrestling with like cheat like with a, a sexy '80s music over the top of it. So you've got like careless whisper over like a necro butcher match. Yeah. So um, good news though to all the ghouls that listen. If you want to see the video that was too hot for TikTok, YouTube <laughs> allowed me to upload it. So too you can watch it on TikTok. YouTube. <laughs> listen. So Rank and Vilecast uh, on YouTube has our. TikTok video that got us banned for a day, and you can watch it if you are if you have the stomach for it. You can watch it. We got the hot deathmatch content that TikTok doesn't want you to see. You know this is uh, you know not to. Let not me to be... tell you, it is gross. Too. <laughs> uh, yeah, not to be dramatic. This is uh, you know like when you look at video nasties, I can kind of understand if like. You're like, oh, no, I'm easily upset 80s British guy. B- microwave massacre. And then you just sort of go like, no, get get the fuck out of here with microwave massacre. What are we doing? Like, I think that trying to get deathmatch wrestling onto TikTok might be the closest we're going to get in, in 2019. <laughs> so what have you been up to? Holy shit. I So, uh, god damn, it, is, it has been a couple of weeks since we've recorded. I've been out on tour with uh, Sarah Gailey, who... 
um, their uh, debut novel, Magic for Liars, available uh, everywhere, um, just came out. So I've been sort of like traveling around with Sarah and like providing emotional support and kind of um, just sitting in, in many crowds and watching them read the, the, the first bit of, of the book. Um, and it's been really, really good. We, um, I've been having a lot of fun traveling around with it, but also... I got to tell you, the moment I finally, after two weeks, like, got back home and sat down on my couch, I think my bones joined the couch and I, we were one. Yeah, the same thing happens with me in my bed. If I'm gone for any period of time, the night sleep in my bed is, like, the best thing ever. Yeah, also there's another thing that I've realized about coming home, which is the air conditioning in your own home, I think it's that... All of the dust in your home is your own skin flakes, and everything yeah. smells like you because it's just your own shed body parts. Yeah. And so when you come your back... Your own stench. Yes. So when you come back home, I think that's why your own air-conditioned apartment smells best to you, is because your house is just lousy with your own ambient skin. Yeah. It's kind of like when I had a um, hedgehog, when I had Quinn... Um, in order to get him to like us, we would put our dirty t-shirt in his cage <laughs> and he got so into snuggling our sweaty, dirty shirts that when we held him, he would like climb in our neck hole to like get inside our shirt. Holy shit. That is probably <laughs> the cutest thing I've ever personally heard. Like you were, I, I love that you're tricking a being into loving you by just covering them in your own body stench. Yeah. And when he would escape from his cage, we would find him. One time I literally found him by putting on a pair of jeans and he was in my pant leg. Yeah. Honestly, I, and all out a cartoon. I went, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in fairness, hedgehogs look like they shouldn't exist. Like, Oh, they're so prehistoric. Like they are dinosaur. Like yeah. they're, they're rat bastard prehistoric mammals. They're awful. <laughs> Yeah, they've got, like, secret hedgehog knowledge in their eyes. Like, it's just this protean dinosaur knowledge. It's like when you look at, like, a cassowary or something, and you're like, my guy, you do not belong in this timeline. Yeah, speaking of cassowaries and um, prehistoric birds, let's talk about Terror in the Skies, please. Holy fuck. So, Terror in the Skies. Um, th this, I kind of, I, I can't wait to know how I feel about this movie. Yeah, it's a screener provided to us by the production company Small Town Monsters, and this is apparently a entire series of documentaries. Hell yeah! And so, what what are what are some of the other documentaries? So there's one on Mothman Classic, kind of like this is this documentary is about New Mothman, uh, the Chicago Mothman, and right. then there's one on Mothman Classic. There's also <laughs> um, Classic. There's also a Flatwoods Monster, uh, Flatwoods Monster doc. There's um, like the the Lake Michigan Monster, which yeah. I think is called like Michi or something like that. I don't know his name. So yeah. there's a whole bunch of them, and this one is about cryptids who are, as the title says, terror in the skies. Cryptids yeah. who are terrors in the sky. Yeah, and it's amazing because like when when they talk about Mothman, I I feel like they when they interview people about Mothman. I honestly, you know what it is? Um, you remember in Independence Day when uh, I think that actor uh, Randy Quaid was the uh, the confused pilot guy who got abducted by aliens? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you kind of, I love any documentary where it's just like interviewing the local townsfolk about hates. 
like whatever weird cryptid is hanging out in the sky and we're just like asking Joe Sports Bar about Mothman. Like that's that's the really good stuff, I think. My favorite is how pissy these cryptid experts are on the Chicago Mothman. Oh because my they're God, like yes. They're like Point Pleasant, West Virginia Mothman, absolutely true. This Chicago bullshit, fuck off with that. That is a drone. <laughs> And I love the the response of no, you idiots! It's a drone. But the one in West Virginia, <laughs> definitely real. Not willing to say, also a mistake. Oh my god! Yeah, no, but this is which actually that checks out to me. Like if you if you're a cryptidologist or like your your bread and butter is talking about Mothman, you got to draw the line somewhere. I feel like you you know if if you're like okay, look, West Virginia Mothman, I've met him and he was a friend of mine. You, you Chicago Mothman are no Mothman. So the whole thesis of this documentary is that cryptids in the Illinois air. Illinois is a hotbed for cryptids. Which I, and Ryan, yeah. I need to know, as an Illinois native, mm-hmm. are you a cryptid? I am absolutely a cryptid. Uh, I'm a I'm I'm a I'm a sh- I'm a Schomburg uh, Moppet. I, a Schomburg I just, Shambler. I'm the Schomburg Shambler. I just sort of, you know, it's like when you turn over a rock and there's something crawling underneath it, and that's me, but Woodfield Mall in Schomburg, Illinois, and then I'm, <laughs> it was me, like, sort of uh, uh, in trip pants growing up in Chicago, just sort of, um, <laughs> eating uh, uh, Annie Ann's pretzels that I, I'd ferreted from the, the food court. I am definitely a cryptid. Um, honestly, Illinois, I feel like... Illinois is such a weird state, and, like, the Midwest generally is so weird. I feel like uh, Midwestern Gothic, you know what? Mid The Midwest deserves its own cryptid, because when I think of cryptids, I think of the American South, and I think of the East Coast, right? Like, there's the Jersey yeah. Devil and Mothman, and then there's, like, pretty much what? the Does the Bell Witch count? I don't think the Bell Witch is a cryptid. Bell Witch isn't a cryptid, but we've got, like, squonks, and we've got, in the South, Mothman is southern, Mm -hmm. um, all of the skunk ape of Florida and the swamps, and, like, I think, you know, a lot of people say Bigfoot Bigfoot is Appalachian. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of cryptids in the South, and here's my question to you. Do you believe in... So this this film mostly focuses on terror birds, which are gigantic birds that carry away people, it, sh- and the yes. Chicago Mothman. Yes. So if we agree that Chicago Mothman is a drone, <laughs> probably. Probably a drone. Probably a drone. Yeah. But terror birds, I kind of think they're real. I kind of think terror birds are real, and I'll tell you why. I, I want them to be real. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's just the world I want to live in. Uh, I, I, I think that... Um, flying things make as much sense as anything else. Like, I, to me, birds are like cryptids because I don't understand how bird flight works. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and so a thing swooping out of the sky to carry off your beagle or whatever, that, you know, this might as well happen. I, I, I so, believe in that. So the thing that makes me believe that some cryptids are real mm-hmm. is the fact that in, in Anno Domine 2019, we're still discovering new species of animals in like jungles and stuff oh yeah uh and like a lot of people have said hey cryptids can't be real because what the fuck is living in appalachia that we haven't seen already or like what is you know there's no way there's no land for it to hide in 
Right. Which sort of goes back to the the Blair Witch Project thing of, like, it's very hard to get lost in America these days. Like, I, yeah. I think we imagine that we've seen everything in America, but also America is fucking huge. Yeah, but another thing I'm worried about is how most of these sightings are in, like, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Like, look at Bigfoot Mania. That was, like, a oh, yeah. 70s and 80s thing. Listen, as a, as a little kid going camping, uh, I, I was pretty sure that my chances of getting uh, murdered by Bigfoot, pretty good. So, the thing I'm really worried about is that Bigfoot was alive, but because of pollution, is no longer alive. Oh my god, did the sins of man kill Bigfoot? The sins of man killed Bigfoot, killed terror birds. These all <laughs> were real. Or or I'm also worried that aliens are real, and aliens did come to Area 51 in the 1950s, mm-hmm. but they saw 1950s America and said, fuck this, and now they're never going to come back. You know what? That's fair, actually. Like, would you, you know, if, if you went over to somebody's house and they opened the door wild-eyed, naked, holding a shotgun... You leave that house and you don't come back. Like, I, you don't know what's going to happen the next time you're there, but you're kind of good with it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I don't know. Um, what is the high point of this documentary for you? I would actually say the pissiness of the experts was the highlight for me because it made me think, it made me think so much about the fact that if you're a cryptid expert, you either need to accept everything at face value and just be like, sure, the Jersey Devil exists, El Chupacabra exists... Um, and they just look so annoyed after being asked about the Chicago Mothman. I, I think that's the, the highlight for me. What about you? It's the CGI. Oh, it is the CGI fuck. reenactments of like children being carried away, carried away by giant birds. <laughs> somebody, listen, money changed hands for somebody to animate a terror bird carrying away children for this documentary. It is very, it reminds me of that news service that does the American news in real, in like Sims style animation. Oh yeah, where it's just sort of like, and they just sort of, yeah, honestly, bad CG is so much better than good CG. Yeah, it's a a tricky needle to thread, but this one does it. Yeah. So would you watch another one of these small town monsters movies oh definitely i anything involving cryptids and small town monsters yeah i am i am always there for that yeah i think so too so this is available now on video on demand i think if you uh go to amazon you should be able to find it or itunes uh, so that's Terror in the Skies 2019 where do you want to put it on our list okay now let's all right so here's a question uh, which is better, the the documentary about haints and cryptids and ghoulies, or <clears throat> uh, to hell and back the Kane Hodder story at number two hundred and twenty eight? Oh, oh man, um, I would say that the the focus of a good documentary is pathos. I think, Agreed. like a, a really great documentary, makes you feel a human story. Yeah, Werner Werner Herzog. This is why he makes such fucking great documentaries because it makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and I don't think that this is good at making me feel anything for the the cryptids or their victims. Completely agree. You know, the CG uh, cryptids carrying off children, I, I, I felt nothing in my heart. But I feel like to Helen back the Kane Hodder story, I felt for Kane Hodder. He seems like he really loves kids. And yeah. he, he, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a tender soul. He's the tenderest juggalo you could ever hope to meet. Yeah, for sure. So I think um, Kane Hodder is better. 
Mm-hmm. But I will argue that... Um, so it's not as good as Tehan Back, but I will say it's better than the Willies because although children were killed, um, no one in this uh, production, to my knowledge, has uh, sexual indiscretions in their past. You know, that's... Wait, so the Willies, who was it that was in the Willies and did... The director is associated with um, some statutory rape, I think. Ay, ay, ay. Honestly, yeah. If you're if you're a horror director, just stop. What, what are we What are we doing? Yeah, actually, the fact that you don't have to think about any of that while watching uh, the Mothman uh, documentary, I feel like that does put it above the Willies. But yeah. I do think that uh, Zygote from 2017 is probably a little bit better than Oh, Terror for Skies. sure. So then that would make Terror in the Skies our new number 230. Hell yeah. And where's this? Uh, so, and, and we, we got a screener for this. Do we know when it's going to be available on VOD? It is currently available on VOD. Hell yeah. So watch it. Do it. Uh, provide to us from Trash House Films called Here Comes Hell. So uh, I didn't get a chance to see Here Comes Hell. Uh, give me, give me the, uh, the synopsis of Here Comes Hell. This is a Edwardian uh, mystery movie shot in black and white, but made in twenty, you know, nineteen, uh, about a British countryside where there's a haunted house, Which, and it starts. I, I love the title "Here Comes Hell" because it just—it's like a—it's like a sitcom. Here comes hell, and then it's just. Yeah, the Edwardian countryside sort of pausing in freeze frame to be like, ah, it's me. Yeah, it's, um, and, and the best thing about it is it starts off as like your regular, everyone has those fake transatlantic accents and they're all talking about, you know, they're all drinking brandy and talking about what they do. And then for shits and giggles, they have a seance and then literal hell comes to the manor and it turns into a, Evil Dead 1 Sam Raimi style Splatterfest. Holy shit. And so and it's a, so it's a Sam Raimi Splatterfest but also everybody sounds like Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn. Yes, and it is, you know, tons of practical effects. There is a goopy exploded head, a guy's arm gets chewed off. It's great. Oh my god, that's wonderful. This yeah. I, and honestly the poster looks so much like the this movie knows exactly what side of the bread its butter is on. Yeah. It is in limited release now, and I believe it's supposed to be on VOD soon as well. Yeah, it apparently, wait, and the production company is Trash House Films? Trash House Films. Which, which... Here's, here's the thing. If your company name is Trash House Films, first of all, you're heroes. Second of all, thank you for, like, sort of doing the, like, exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah, where... yeah, it... This movie's very good. The one thing that um, irk, is irksome, and it's really a very minor uh, qualm, is the, quote, American, unquote, who carries a Bowie knife because, of course, he does. <laughs> See, this is the thing that I love so much about Quincy P. Morris and Dracula is that, I mean, again, like, I, I forget who it was that was pointing this out online, but um, when so when you uh, read or watch Dracula, and it's like, okay, so it's sort of... Uh, late Victorian and everybody's sort of austere <clears throat> and then this fucking cowboy comes in like hey! and apparently like this was such a popular trope because it was like this is what everybody else in the world imagined Americans were during this period so it's like a ninja showing up in the middle of Dracula where it's just like yeah. Quincy P. Morris the cowboy who just sticks out like a fucking sore thumb in the middle of all of these sort of very serious looking British people and 
Yeah, I feel like if an American character... It's like when an American character shows up in an anime, and they are large and blonde and screaming and you know what yeah like the american gundam and g gundam which is a football player with two six shooters that rides a (laughs) rocket surfboard and has boxing gloves as yeah which is you know what i feel like this is what we deserve uh, as a country is like when we pop up in other uh countries things there should we should definitely be like hang loose cowboy like pulling guns and just giant skateboards yes a thousand times yes so my only qualm is that the actor has the worst American accent. Like, you can tell that he's a British actor trying to be an American, and it doesn't stick. Which is so annoying because, as a Southerner, mm-hmm. uh, British actors are stealing all the jobs from actual <laughs> Southern actors. Because any, like, Walking Dead or pretty much any other show mm-hmm. where there are people from the South, they're all, like actors from the uk and australia that have gotten those parts i mean true true blood so much of that show was like other actors from other countries doing their best louisiana accent so you're you're furious about uh, southern actors being put out of work by big britain yeah (laughs) big britain is putting out uh, you know the good hard uh working southern actors but also uh, if you can't do it right, like, yeah. I guess that's that's my stereotype for British actors. So American actors are, like, riding rocket surfboards with um, <laughs> Budweiser and Six Shooters. Yankee Coca-Cola. British actors, yeah, Yankee Coca-Cola. British actors need to be able to fake Southern accents, and they can't yeah. do that in this movie, and <laughs> it's just like... You know, you had one job. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and and here's I, I think uh, I figured it out. Um, with uh, people doing Southern accents, if it's somebody from the United States but not the American South, frequently their Southern accent just fucking sucks because they're like doing their best Jeff Foxworthy or whatever. Um, British actors want to class the joint up a bit, you know. So like they they want to sort of sound like uh, Colonel Sanders. And they uh, have you okay? Have you seen the show Scandal? Uh, no, I've actually avoided that show somehow. Oh man, I've I've watched way too much fucking Scandal. But there's um, a character on Scandal called Sally Langdon, who is uh, an uh, uh, an American like senator, I think, or something. And she's like sort of like moral majority uh, conservative sort of. She her husband is gay, and she kills her husband in a fit of rage when she finds out that he's fucking dudes. And so, but the actor, I think, is um, Welsh or something. And the way that she does this accent is the most highfalutin thing I think I've ever had the pleasure of listening to, where she's like, yum, yum, crispy piggy, yum, yum. (laughs) I cannot, I'm begging you, YouTube Sally Langdon, crispy piggy. Um, It's, but yeah, like, it's it's, it's non-American actors looking at the American South and going, well, I I bet I can reupholster this. And then just sounding like fucking Foghorn Leghorn. But also, when I eat barbecue, I also say yum, yum. (laughs) because the best part so the best part is uh what they call the burnt ends (laughs) oh yeah no you want the stuff that has been dancing perilously close to the fire and it's basically been blackened to uh we call it we call it the rind it's like the outer part of the pig that's all like burnt yeah it's like you know that used to be skin but now it's just like this charcoal deliciousness oh Oh, yeah yeah it's just Um, crispy and and yeah yeah it's wonderful um so so where all right so on the list uh so did you did you like here comes hell so i liked it but it's not really more than its conceit it's it's 
it's good at what it does, but it's not trying to go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. I don't want to penalize it for just doing what it does well and not trying to aim high enough. But right. I also, you know, was left feeling like, well, that was a good time, but it's no, you know, life-altering film. Yeah, I, I feel like, it, and so much of, it, it's the Roger Ebert thing to me of, like, what is it trying to do and how well does it do that? And I guess if, I mean, it, if, if the thing that you're tuning in for is Edwardian splatter film and everybody's doing the Cary Grant voice, then, you know... It, it, is it meets its mark. And I guess that might be a fault of my own for wanting something deeper when I signed up for, you know, ridiculous uh, black and white splatter fest. Um, when something isn't black and There is and... a witch that is shot in the face and she has, like, dangling eyeballs, which are like cotton balls on string. Now we're talking. And it's, like, perfect. <laughs> Lovely. I, this is, all right, so here's here's my question. Uh, in the year of our Lord, Arn Anderson, 2019, if a movie is shot in black and white, especially a horror movie, and it's a period piece, does that necessarily feel like artifice because you know they have the capability of doing it in, like, digital or, or whatever? Or, like, if, if a movie is in black and white, is that cool? Like, how do how do we feel about that as a rule? For this movie, it's well-suited because of what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, what if someone made... Um, house on Haunted Hill, but they also had seen Ted Raimi before. Oh my God, that's wonderful! I yeah. ha- ha- House on Haunted Hill. I think, uh, honestly, Vince- Vincent Price with modern effects. I shudder to think what could have been. Yeah. So in that sense, it's very good. Um, but again, just when you ask me, do you want to watch this or something else? I'm gonna pick something else yeah and and honestly for me with with effects versus cg i feel like for me what it comes down to because i I think the 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 very sort of usual like critique of movies is that cg is bad and ruining movies and i don't think that's true but i think that if a thing is a period piece or it's in black and white you need to commit to an aesthetic like if you're doing black and white you can't also have neat cg to make things look good like you need to go whole hog with the practical effects you need to try to evoke a feeling or else what's the point of doing this in black and white and trying to go for that aesthetic yeah so i'm looking at blue monkey at number 240 oh yeah blue monkey um i blue that's like a tour de force of effects and doing exactly what you want it to which is giant bug movie yeah it's it's a perfect video shack rental yeah and i think just for sheer effects pound for pound blue monkey's better Mm-hmm. But um, here comes hell is like just underneath it. Oh wow! Okay, so so it would probably go above Terrence Howard's Fright Club because if it comes you. to yeah, if it comes to Terrence Howard just scaring people in a hidden camera show or an actual movie with a decent plot and good special effects, I'd go with the movie. But um, it's it's pretty neck and neck. Very good. Yeah, and which, by the way, side note here, the uh, the literal name of the Rankin-Vile show theme that is on, on the file is I Spooked Ya! Exclamation point. So I'm always going to be <laughs> fond of Terrence Howard's Fright Club. Yeah. So Here Comes Hell is number 241. Definitely go check this one out. And thank you to Trash House Films for sending us a copy. So uh, did you get a chance to see The Woman in Black? I sure did. 
that was a movie that happened. It it was it was a <laughs> film that was made. <laughs> Say what you will about the woman in black. Uh, all the actors were clearly visible. There was a soundtrack. All right, so um, it was lit. Not yeah. necessarily well, not, not but well. it had lighting. <laughs> it had a budget for lighting. So, The Woman in Black. All right. So, this was uh, around 2012, and I think we were um, just coming out of Harry Potter for Dan Rad at this point? Yeah. And uh, he... Now, all right. I've realized... All right. So, the, the plot of The Woman in Black, I guess, is that he uh, lost a child... Uh, or, 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 no, excuse me. Did he lose his wife? I, you know, I watched this movie, and yet I still cannot tell you what <laughs> happens in this movie, except it's spooky. Yeah, it's spooky. Um, oh, okay, so uh, uh, Dan, Dan Rad, uh, his his wife. Uh, so Dan Rad is a, is a fancy Edwardian lawyer, um, and he his wife dies. Which, this is a good episode for Edwardian horror. I yeah, think. yeah. That good turn-of-the-century uh, horror. Um, so his wife dies in childbirth, and he's a, a real sad fella. And I think this was during the period in which Daniel Radcliffe was like, okay, I don't want to be Harry Potter for the rest of my life. I got to do, like, pathos. I got to do serious movies. And so he's mostly just really bummed out for the whole movie. Um, yeah. And he it's comes... just sad Daniel Radcliffe for an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah, and he's just sort of, like, wandering on the moors, which... Here's the thing. As uh, someone who loved the video for The Perfect Drug by Nine Inch Nails when I was a kid, I'm always down for moping on the moors. Um, and so he comes to this, like, country house where, like, all right, so the movie opens with uh, these three little girls having a tea party, and they're just hanging out. And also there's, like, creepy uh, toy piano playing in the background, and they've got dolls because why the fuck not? And then something happens outside, and all the little girls look outside, and they all slowly uh, put down their, their uh, empty teacups and they uh, all walk out of the window to their deaths. Yeah, like you do. It's honestly kind of a dope opening. Like, I really like the opening to The Woman in Black because it's sort of like, what happened? Like, is this like a Pied Piper situation? Or did they all just become gripped with existential ennui and decide to end it all because in the middle of the tea party? that you Like, um, it, it opens really well, but then this movie has no idea what to do with itself. Yeah, and, and really, it seems like it's more a movie where they had a bunch of old wind-up toys, and they're like, let's build the movie off of this. Oh my god, yeah. And so, um, what, what, what happens is there's a, a sort of, there's a woman uh, who's a ghost lady hanging out, and she's just sort of like lurking and, and causing all, all manner of, 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 of haints and, and bedevilments. And then it gets to the thing... Um, his, uh, what, a kid wanders out onto a train track and gets killed because the woman in black lures the kids out onto the train track? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and apparently, like, what, this was a, a book that was adapted? And, yeah, it's just, it's a big mouthful of nothing. Now, what's really frustrating is this was supposed to be Hammer Horror's comeback. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes everything that's good about Hammer Horror and doesn't use it. That's exactly what it is, that it's, yeah, I mean, you, you see Hammer Films in 2012, and you think, like, okay, so we're just gonna, because when you think English horror, you think Hammer, right? Like, yeah. you think of Christopher Lee and, you know, Taste the Blood of Dracula. I mean, at least I think of Taste the Blood of Dracula. The, I think the thing that's so frustrating is what makes Hammer movies so good is the bright color palette that even though this is a spooky movie, 
Everyone is wearing pastels. There's crazy red, that 70s red blood. Hazel Court's boobs are popping out everywhere. And this movie's like, let's turn the color saturation down like 200%. Yeah, it's a bit like when Kiss tried making a grunge album in the 90s. Have you, are you familiar with uh, this period of Kiss? No. <laughs> it, it is bad. It is. So you're telling me in, on top of Kiss taking off their ma- their makeup and doing a serious album, they yeah. also did a grunge album. Oh, they certainly did. If you look up uh, uh, Carnival of Souls, um, it basically, it sounds like they were trying Hold to Hold the do... fucking phone. I know Carnival of Souls from being a nerd who, you know, knows of Kiss. Yeah. Carnival of Souls is a grunge album. Yes. Carnival of Souls. If you look up Carnival of Souls, the cover of the album is all of them looking fucking scuzzy as hell without makeup in a little recording studio thing. And this album was not supposed to have been released initially. Basically, the thing about Kiss is that they um, have copied other people for their entire careers like, when they started out, they looked at the band Slade and went, yeah, we can do that, but with makeup. The one cool thing they did was the makeup and everything else. Like, in the 80s, they were like, all right, well, hair metal's a thing. I guess we're a hair metal band now. And then in the 90s, uh, they were basically like, I don't know, let's do swampy guitars and sing about being sad. Uh, and then this was right before um, Peter Chris and Ace Freely were like, yeah, we can do the reunion. So they're like, oh, hot damn. All right, we can do that. Uh, but we've also got this album of grunge songs. And then they just like quietly released it and didn't promote it. Um, As you would do. Did you know that Kiss has their own line of craft sodas? What? Well, they have Kiss brand soda. Well, now I need that. I Here's, God damn it. I'm part of the problem because I really like Kiss. Like you can cool it in your kiss casket. Yes, which I I I also found out this week. Did you know that both Dimebag Daryl and Vinnie Paul from Pantera Pantera were buried in a kiss casket? God damn it! Yeah, God yeah. fucking damn it! Which honestly, I I I feel conflicted because on one hand, I'm anarcho-socialist and deeply opposed to capitalism, and then on the other hand, I really like Love Gun by Kiss. <laughs> so this is a real fucking problem where I'm like So what do you do? You just <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like it's I you're 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 caught in this purgatory of going like I respect the hustle with selling kiss condoms and kiss caskets, but also I want Gene Simmons to be eaten by wild pigs. I feel like kiss condoms has got to like have a loss a class action lawsuit of like the inef- the inefficacy yeah kiss condoms well it being kiss i'm sure that they bought like a bunch of old lambskin condoms in bulk and then we're like fuck it our fans will buy anything i'm sorry i'm sorry i just threw up in my mouth a little bit (laughs) (laughs) uh and the thing is as somebody who has owned a copy of destroyer by kiss since i was a child and will have it on every uh, uh electronic platform i ever have yeah, I would probably if if I found a Kiss condom, it would gross me out so much that I would have to buy it just for the novelty of it. Um, I, don't I cannot be like, tell you how white my knuckles got when you started the <laughs> sentence. As an owner of, I was gonna say a Kiss condom. A Kiss condom. And don't a, say. That. A, yeah, just a condom. Yeah, just a Kiss casket full of Kiss condoms, and this is your Lynchian nightmare. Like this is your. Listen, we've got birth, we've got death, and everything in between. Um, so. What were we? Okay, so the woman. So the, 
the woman, woman in black. black. I think we just want to talk about anything except the woman in black with Dan Please, Rad. please, no. Oh, it's so dis. But yeah, no. We oh that, no, that's what we were talking about. So Kiss, right? Grunge album, Kiss, color palette. Nobody wants to see a Hammer horror film with the with the fucking lights out. Like we want to see that color yeah. gradient cranked way the fuck up. We want to see splashy blood. And um, and the sets are interesting, a la a good Hammer movie. That I was trying. The movie was so boring. I was trying to figure out if there was a pattern in the nursery wallpaper because it's an alphabet pattern, but it's yeah. not in the standard order. So I was like, surely there's a hidden message in this. You would think, but like there's... I could not find one. <laughs> I, I think it's that um, th- this movie is actually kind of an interesting exercise in can atmosphere carry an entire movie? It cannot. Um, I, I, I do like the sort of Pied Piper thing of like the woman in black, her son was taken from her. So now she's like killing off other people's kids um, because I and it, I think this goes back to like the Nightmare on Elm Street thing of I love the thought of like the sins of the father being yeah. a major theme. That and and the shitty dad in this movie is extra shitty. Oh, he's so a he's that a helps. he's a real shit bastard, isn't he? Like he's yeah. he's like old timey bad British person. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, now I, the woman in black too. I haven't seen, but I have seen the poster of fingers gouging out somebody's eyes. Yeah, that's creepy shit. Makes me um, wonder if they sort of learned from that lesson. With uh, the woman in black, where they were like, "All right, let's let's crank up the 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 squish a little bit here." Yeah, maybe they were just like, "Well, also, I think the woman in black too is um, coincides with like the insidious and all that other stuff." So it's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, we have this property; we can just do this." Absolutely, and yeah, but it's it's just it's deeply boring. Uh, I watched the whole thing and. Just sort of, I uh, actually I watched it on a flight and then quietly went, okay, and then started reading a book because it, it just it did nothing. It did nothing for me. Let's talk about how many times I've watched a movie and done something else while it's on to say I have quote watched it unquote <laughs> but not actually watched it. I, I did the same thing in school with with uh, classic literature, and yeah, where you sort you technically read the thing, but you retain none of it. But you can still say technically, like my eyes watched the movie Woman in Black. Um, so I, all right. So let's 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 bury this fucking thing. Uh, okay, on... the worst Hammer, the lowest Hammer uh, films production mm-hmm. on the list is number three thirty eight, which is an episode of Hammer House of Horror. Oh, okay. the Silent Scream. Oh, the Silent Scream. I do think this is probably below the silent screen oh for sure yeah it's just it's nothing um all right let's see i i think uh, it's probably better than leatherface and hellraiser judgment if we're being real now why is it better than hellraiser judgment holy fuck because uh it at least has atmosphere hellraiser hellraiser judgment is so uniformly bad that I feel like I, I can't think of anything to recommend it aside from it's garbage and has some fun. Actually, no. Okay, all right. I'll take that back. Uh, Hellraiser Judgment has some cool makeup effects, and that's pretty much it. Um, and now, then, yeah. Refresh my memory because we've watched so many Hellraisers. Hellraiser yeah. Judgments where the guy eats the paper and vomits it up. Yeah, that's where the guy eats the paper and vomits it up, and then the, the, the women eat the vomit, and there are three people in this entire city, and it's cops. And I'm so angry. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so bad. And then at the very end, 
uh, Pinhead, for whatever reason, defies the Cenobite order for no real reason and gets turned into a human. It's very bad. Um, so I feel like this is at least better than Hellraiser Judgment. However, all right, here's my question. Have you seen the Nightmare on Elm Street remake? Yes. Very bad. Yes. Very, now, very bad. Above the Nightmare on Elm Street remake is Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. With Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. With that um, robot leg. <laughs> the fucking robot leg. That, all right. I So between wild garbage and big nothing that is Woman in Black, which, which, all right, which would you, all right, Friday Night Test. Which would you rather sit down with a Tombstone pizza and a... So Friday Night Test, I don't want to watch either of these movies again, but I'd right. rather watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation to just, like, figure it out. Yeah, yeah, to, like, maybe sort of puzzle out what they could have possibly been thinking while making that movie. And at the very least, you get Matthew McConaughey wilding uh, for the duration of this film. Just wilding out. Yeah, like he, and apparently what, on the re-release of uh, Texas Chainsaw, the, uh, the Next Generation, um, didn't Matthew McConaughey's lawyers threaten them that, like, you cannot use Matthew McConaughey in any of the marketing for this re-release? Yeah, it it was pushed back so long because both Renee Zellweger and McConaughey were on the new cover art, mm-hmm. and then they took their faces off and left their names, and then they wouldn't approve that either <laughs> <laughs> like no get the fuck out of here yeah it is it is a shit show but it's the it's the presence of a shit show rather than the absence of everything except atmosphere which is the woman in black so i feel pretty good at putting the woman in black at our new number 341 uh above the nightmare on elm street remake but below texas chainsaw massacre the next generation yeah Let's do some listener requests. So uh, on Tumblr, uh, Anonymous uh, says, Rank Underworld, which, <laughs> fuck you, man. <laughs> this, oh my God. All right. So Underworld, which was the early uh, 20, or, uh, the, the early 2000s uh, vampire werewolf Matrix-esque action horror movie with Kate Beckinsale uh, in a pleather bodysuit. Um Quincy, I, the, the, I can't stress enough how bad that movie is, but also, I've seen it a lot because I was really bored in the early 2000s and living in Cottontown, Tennessee, and everybody I knew at this high school was really into Underworld, so we watched it a lot, and it's very bad. Which came first, Blade or Underworld? Oh, Blade, for sure. Blade was, uh, what, 1998, I want to say? Yeah, so can we blame the aesthetic of Underworld on uh, Blade? We definitely can, but I feel like we can also blame The Matrix for it, where it's just sort of like techno-thriller, but also noir. Tech-noir, I guess. Um, And Underworld has uh, Bill Nighy as a vampire, uh, and... Bill Nighy, which apparently uh, he was also in I, Frankenstein as basically the same character, but... Now, is that an intentional tie-in? I Well, and, and apparently it was... Those movies were meant to occupy the same cinematic universe, but I think they just didn't care enough to get somebody other than Bill Nighy to play the villain in both I, Frankenstein and Underworld. Although there is... Now, here's the thing that I love... Anything that involves somebody getting cut in half and not realizing they've been cut in half until their body starts separating, that good shit. Like, that that definitely happens in Underworld with Bill Nighy uh, getting bisected and then going, what? ah, fuck, and then 
sliding into two separate pieces. Which has a better uh, bisected scene, um, Underworld or Resident Evil with the lasers? Oh, I got to go with Resident Evil with the lasers with like the, the getting sort of julienned by the room full of lasers. Um, yeah, but Underworld also, I think I've just seen, I, I, I feel like I've watched Underworld a lot because I've, I've seen so many AMVs of songs I like set to Underworld. <laughs> Because where you're like looking up, like oh, I really want to listen to Rammstein or or like Skinny Puppy or something, and then it's always like, well, they don't have a video for it, but here's my Underworld AMV, and then you just kind of watch Kate Beckinsale swooping around on rooftops in a pleather bodysuit. Um, and although, although Underworld does do a thing that drives me crazy, which is that they won't use the word werewolf; they use lichen as as the what is it? What do people have against just werewolf? Yeah, fuck off with lichen. Like, just say, just say werewolf. Like, what? What? What's? I don't know what's wrong with just admitting that. Yes, this is a werewolf vampire fight movie. Um, but yeah, so it it's uh it's bad, but also it's so of its time and place that I support how fucking absurd this movie is for having Kate Beckinsale in a pleather bodysuit. So, what is better, I Frankenstein or Underworld? Uh, I'm going to say Underworld because at least Beckinsale is a better actor than Aaron Eckhart. Um, but I, so I Frankenstein is pretty wow. Honestly, on uh, as a heavy hitter from early on in our podcast, I Frankenstein is really made good. Yeah, for what was ostensibly the worst movie on the list, we watched worse. <laughs> God damn. Right now, I, Frankenstein, is at number 377 out of 395. That's that's a hell of a lot of movies that we've watched that are worse than I, Frankenstein, and that was the gold fucking standard for a long time. So I feel I feel good about putting uh, Underworld... All right, now here's the question. I uh, so Underworld I think is better than that. Uh, do you think Underworld is better than? Th- Did you see Rob Zombie's Thirty One? Yes. Now you have to search your soul and tell me: Oof. Is Underworld better than a Nazi little person? And I'm going to say it is. This this is slightly worse than that because I it. All right. So here's here's the thing: Thirty One is unforgivable, but at least it has like a. No, it doesn't have... Okay, no. It's got cool body representation because there's naked fat people in it and it's not treated as a joke and it's it's just sort of fat people have sex and that's cool. And uh, so there's that in 31 at least that there's like representation of lots of different kinds of people. I feel like my brain is melting and congealing uh at, like like a like a Spider-Man popsicle at the bottom of my brain pan. Dracula Untold is below 31. Okay. Is this movie better than Dracula Untold? Well, and so both of both of those movies are vampire movies that I want more vampire stuff from, but I feel like at least uh, Underworld gives me bisected Bill Nighy, which puts it just a hair above Dracula Untold. So actually, I feel good putting Underworld uh, with the pleather bodysuits and the lichens and the industrial rock uh, solidly at number 370 above Dracula Untold and below Rob Zombie's 31. All right. Um, Uh, Quincy, did you see uh, the trailer for Three from Hell coming out? No, I have actively avoided it because I just cannot care. (laughs) 
It's so it I'm it's it's such a bummer because I really really like Lords of Salem and I had hoped that like oh Rob Zombie's kind of figuring his shit out and then he just regressed with 31 and now he's like doing bad fanfic of his own work with 3 from Hell and it's just it's a fucking bummer. It's is Lords of Salem a fluke? I think now here's here's the thing. Lords of Salem and Halloween 2 I think are legitimately really good movies. Um, which I might be totally alone in that. I, f- I feel like Rob's, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 might be my... Uh, it's like when Roger Ebert um, reviewed The Devil's Rejects and his review was like, I really liked it. I'm as surprised as you are. Um, and yeah, Halloween 2 is really good. I think those might have actually been flukes and everything else from Rob Zombie has just been sort of... I don't know. Like, crass and not in a charming way and boring and shitty. I feel like you might be the only one to stand out there. Yeah, listen, if if I have to be if I have to be the only uh, uh, horror fan who stands uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, and entirely because uh, Scout Taylor Compton does such a fucking tour de force performance uh, uh, in an in- in- interpretation of trauma, that's really, really cool. Um, and also, Rob Zombie's main talent is putting cool music over the outro, but yeah, so, oh, three from hell, it, it looks, it looks fucking rough. So also on, uh, Tumblr, uh, we have an anonymous request for Manos, the Hands of Fate. Holy shit. Now, alright, so scroll way the fuck up the list. Um, Manos the Hands of Fate, which is uh, became a classic entirely because of Mystery Science Theater 3000. I've seen this movie so many fucking times because of MST3K. So, I've neither seen the original nor the Manos the Hands of Felt puppet remake. <laughs> which, apparently, uh, the, the, the crew on Manos the Hands of Fate hated doing this movie so much that they would refer to it meanly amongst themselves as Mangoes the Cans of Fruit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing. Um, but yeah, like this movie, it was it was made by a guy who uh, plays the... Uh, so it's it's about this... I, I can't even believe I'm about to describe the plot. Uh, it's about this family that comes to this weird old country house run by a guy who runs a sex cult. And then there's a weird alcoholic uh, groundskeeper named Torgo who is there. Um, and l- listen, the important thing about this, uh, about this movie... Is that the the head of the sex cults uh, sex cult has a giant robe with a handprint on it, and that actor loved doing this movie so much that every Halloween for the rest of his life he would break out the big fucking Manos robe. Um, and yeah, I, I there's nothing I can really say about Manos: The Heads of Fate aside from watch the MST3K episode about it because it's completely uh, unknowable. Like there's this one song in the thing that this. Uh, it's a synth riff that goes that plays on a loop throughout the entire thing, and it's it's great. Like this was one hundred percent the the maker of this movie going. I bet I could make a horror movie, and then making this, and it is it's fantastic. It's so it you can tell that he thought he was really doing something with making Manos the Hands of Fate. So that gives it a lot of uh, high marks for me. So where do you want to put it on the list? What is it most comparable to in terms of, by gum, I'm going to make a movie on my own? Oh, man. All right, all right, all right. So I think that the, in terms of just complete uh, sincerity, I'm going to go with You're the Hunter from the Future at number 250 as a comparable wreck, where it's just, they thought they were doing something here, and I, and I appreciate them. 
Um, I do, I think, all right, so here's, here's my, here's, here's what I think. I think this movie is better than You're the Hunter from the Future, which we love. Uh, now, wait a goddamn minute. <laughs> right. There are no robots or dinosaurs or a disco soundtrack to Manos, the Hands of Fate. Oh, that's a good point. And actually, yeah, I think you might be right. You're the Hunter from the Future, which is a futuristic barbarian movie with a disco soundtrack. Where he hang glides on a giant bat, don't forget. Oh, shit, I forgot about... All right, you know what? You've convinced me. The bat is definitely... That definitely puts it above. Um, all right, so here's the question. Puppet Master the Littlest Reich. I think Manos the Hands of Fate is better than Puppet Master the Littlest Reich because Puppet Master the Littlest Reich, first of all, fuck's sake. Second of all, like that's a, I feel like that's a movie you make uh, where you are fully cognizant of this not being a good movie and you're doing that on purpose where I feel like Manos the Hands of Fate is way more sincere and is going for it a little bit more. Yeah, and I prefer sincere to... <laughs> Yeah, I prefer sincere to detached irony every time. Yeah, completely agree. However, I do not think Manos the Hands of Fate is better than Alien vs. Ninja at number 251, so I feel comfortable uh, solidly putting Manos the Hands of Fate uh, above Puppet Master the Littlest Strike and below Alien vs. Ninja at number 252. All right. Uh, Ryan, will you tell our listeners how they can uh, submit their own... Request. Yeah, so let's say that you're uh, sitting at home listening to Rankin Vile and uh, you are fuming and you are completely uh, inconsolable because we have not done the movie Mimic. Please, please do not request the movie Mimic. Uh, you're going to want to go uh, go to uh, rankinvile.tumblr.com or send an email to rankinvilecast at gmail.com. Uh, we, uh, Quincy, where, where can our listen- listeners find us on the internet? Everywhere. We're on uh, Tumblr at Rankin Vile. We're on TikTok at Rankin Vile. We're on YouTube at Rankin Vilecast. We are on Twitter at Rankin Vilecast. If you want to drop us a line at on, if you want to drop us a line at Gmail, we are Rankin Vilecast at gmail.com. And um, surely there's some other. Or we're on Friendster. We're on <laughs> Zanga. <laughs> no, yeah, we're on. Uh, so we're on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. Um, if you have any screeners or uh, you want to advertise with us, uh, definitely get in touch. Hey, if you're a listener, consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes, mostly because this helps, you know, bump our podcast a little bit up the rankings, uh, which is which is always nice. Or, you know, you can leave us a, 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 an honest review that's like, well, they uh, put Manos the Hands of Fate above heavy metal. So I don't know if I... Yeah, but... So, yeah, we're on iTunes. Uh, I think that's about all I've got. You got anything else? One more thing. If you are a author of any indie role-playing games for tabletop, or if you are a manufacturer of a spooky-themed beverage, please send us a, an email at rankinvilecast.com. I've got some projects in the works, and we want to talk to you. Yeah, and we're also going to be doing a uh, live playthrough uh, of a couple of games. So we've got a bunch of stuff coming down the pipe. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, Other than that, stay spooky. Later, folks.